Jets fans get all excited for Robert Sala, only to jump from the tallest building immediately after he left to meet with the Philadelphia Eagles. Today, it's about patience. Sabo Radio once again, this time during the head coaching search, which is crawling along. And there's a very good reason for that that's being it's flying under the radar, curiously. I mean, I know people understand it, they realize it, they can grasp the idea, as they've done for almost a year now. But it hasn't sunk in when thinking about these candidates and not wanting Robert Sala to leave the building, etc., The pandemic, its impact on the coaching search is legitimate and needs to be discussed. We're now, what is it, January 14th? January 3rd was week 17, so we're now 11 days into the offseason. And none of the teams have filled their head coaching vacancies. Urban Meyer, very close to the Jags. I mean, and that's pretty much it. Last year at this time, 11 days in, four of the five vacancies had been filled. Week 17 last year was December 28th, which is strange. Uh, Rarely is week 17 still in December, but last year was one of those cases, one of those years. And the bulk of the hires, Judge with the Giants, um, let's see a couple others here. Ron Rivera was hired two days after the season on the 31st. They already had that in mind. Mike McCarthy to the Cowboys on January 7th. Matt Rule, Panthers, January 7th. Giants with Judge on the 8th. And the Browns, Stefanski on the 12th. The 7th and the 8th. The bulk of the hires came 10, 11 days after the season ended. 9, 10 days after the season ended, December 29th. So at this point last year, four out of the five had been taken care of. It's slower this year for an explicit reason. The pandemic. If you're a general manager and you know this hire will make or break your entire NFL career as a GM, you know, it's got that strong possibility Would you ever feel comfortable in hiring a guy or singling a guy out based on a two-hour Zoom call? No chance. No freaking chance. And with all of these first interviews happening on Zoom calls, it's not as if, it's, it's almost like the first interview doesn't happen until the second interview, until they're in person, until they meet the brass at the building. So when it was announced uh, yesterday or two days ago, earlier in the week, I believe yesterday, that Salah was leaving the building. He arrived on Tuesday, stayed for Wednesday, left. Arthur Smith came Wednesday night, left today on Thursday. When it was announced Salah was leaving the building, it was like Willem Dafoe trying to escape in Platoon. It, it was Jets fans losing their minds And look, I get it. I understand. To hop on Twitter and commiserate and lose your minds together, it's therapy. It's a form of Jets brotherhood that cannot be denied. 
And even if they win a Super Bowl, that will always be there for the rest of the Jets fans' existence. That's just part of the DNA. That's part of the deal. But to all, you know, go to the Jim Jones compound and drink the Kool-Aid, the moments, the announcement that Salah was leaving, it's just insanity because the pandemic was not thought of. Now think about it. It's almost as if these logistics were already understood going in. Salah had his schedule. Jets for a second, then to the Eagles, I think for a first interview. I don't even think they discussed anything on Zoom virtually. And then now he's visiting the Chargers. That's the latest. He's going to the Chargers. Uh, Rumor has it, the Chargers and Brian Dayball are really connected. I forgot who put that out there. But that would make sense. Stables hinging his bets with the young Herbert, with the young Justin Herbert. Wouldn't have to do much in terms of building him up. It's kind of ready-made. But if that's the case, then Salah could be coming around back to New Jersey. He's a, he's a Dearborn, Michigan native uh, went to school in Michigan as well. So he's not one of these California, Florida, Texas guys who wouldn't be able to stand living in the Northeast. You know, he's used to the seasons. He's used to that weather. That's part of it that's got to be contemplated as well. Which coaches don't want a certain geographical area, city versus rural, you know, stuff along those lines. Sala fits and he matches up. Arthur Smith, on the other hand, his it, there's more questions there. We don't know if he's a true head coach. Obviously, everyone knows he's a FedEx royalty, uh, either his dad or his grandpa, one of the two. I forget who it was. Uh, founded FedEx, Frederick Smith. So he's shipping and packaging royalty. Great offensive mind. Joined Tennessee in 2011, built his built his resume, worked his way up. Assistant tight ends coach, tight ends coach, offensive coordinator. Team finished third in overall offense this past year, second in rushing. Derrick Henry captured his second rushing title. Uh, the key with him, not just the, the CEO sideline stuff, the general stuff, the Bill Parcells handling the whole staff, the whole operation stuff, the, the thing about him offensively is can he get it done without a rushing game? Can he get it done without talent? Can he get it done without a, a, one of the league's best offensive lines? Is he a Brian Schottenheimer type who has to run the ball to find success? And that's a guy who 10, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't mind having leading your offense. Today, it's not a good deal. I mean, think about Andy Reid. He was criticized more than anyone when he was in Philly. He threw the ball too much, didn't run enough. You know, had a had tremendous success with Philly in terms of winning the division, getting to the playoffs, got to a Super Bowl, finally got run out of town, and now he's the second coming in Kansas City. He hasn't changed as a coach. What's happened is the league has caught up to him. 20 years ago, in the early 2000s, that's not the same league we see today. 
it was much more of a balanced league still. It was still really physical. So Reed was missing the boat oftentimes, not running it enough, not running it in particular situations. 2007, 2008, the league starts to really change. The passing comes along, spikes, and everything goes bananas. The physicality drops. The NFL is worried about concussions, and rightly so. And sidebar here, watching the national championship game, how bad was that garbage on Monday night? It, it wasn't football. I, I never thought I'd be unimpressed with a three-touchdown, 200-yard first-half performance. But I was unimpressed with Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith has nothing to do with him. He's the perfect receiver, perfect kid, the way he carries himself. It deals with the college football game in general. College and high school, they've had to follow. This is what happens. The NFL sets the bar, and college and football follows suit. So out with the physicality, out with shoulder tackling, the gloves, you know, around 12, 15 years ago, the gloves changed too. It's like they're wearing stickum on their hands. So when they catch the ball, it's obvious, you know, the benefits. But defensively, these gloves also are crucial too because it promotes more hand tackling. You could more easily tackle your hands instead of your shoulder, instead of getting your helmet in there. But there's a, there's such a thing, and I understand player safety, there's such a thing as overcorrection. And that's where the NFL and football is headed right now. Overcorrection, and you don't want it. You don't want to see it. Because when the kid battle got kicked out for targeting, and yeah, it was targeting, it was helmet to helmet, yeah, I got sick to my stomach. To kick a guy out for something that's not premeditated, or you can't tell 100% is premeditated, is insanity. It's insane. You feel horrible for the kid. It's a bam-bam play. And to be so discriminatory against defensive players, does an offensive player, a running back get kicked out when he initiates head contact by lowering a shoulder? Does a running back get kicked out when he stiff arms a defensive player with his hand in the helmet in the face mask? A la Derrick Henry? No. So the overcorrection is very real right now, and the NFL has to change it. Concerned about player safety, I get it. But draw it across all 22 positions, not just the defense. You're promoting a game in which no one wants to play defense. No kid dreams of being a cornerback in the NFL. You don't want it to get beat that much. It's demoralizing. Make sure every position, Roger Goodell, is critical in terms of how a kid perceives it. It's very important. I know you want more offense. I know you want your quarterbacks, Breeze, Brady, playing into their 40s because they don't get touched. But the overcorrection is going to hurt you in the long run. But getting back to Reed, the league caught up to what Reed has always been. Reed was ahead of the curve. Or he just happened to get lucky and saw the league catch up. No contact. From cornerbacks, they started calling everything. Illegal contact holding, you know, mid-2000s. It really happened after the Colts-Pats game in snowy Foxborough when Ty Law and the Pats DBs really mugged Harrison and Wayne. Oh, was it 2003, I want to say? 
2003 or 2004, I think, one of those two years. But it's the overcorrection right now is crazy. And Reed, the league caught up to him. And that's what you worry about with Arthur Smith. Guys like Arthur Smith, Schottenheimer, who just got fired. They went their separate ways, whatever that means. Can Arthur Smith do it without a rushing attack? That's the worry. Other candidates, right now it's just Sal and Smith as the two second interview guys. And again, keep that pandemic in mind. You see two interviews here, but it's really only one and a half. Really only one. So a guy leaving the building, not the end of the world. Uh, other candidates, Eric Bieniemy. He obviously was interviewed virtually. A lot of teams interested in him. Marvin Lewis interviewed. Joe Brady. Matt Eberflus, Brian Dayball, Brandon Staley, and Aaron Glenn. Patrick Graham is the lone rejected interview request who immediately signed with the New York Giants. The wild card in all this is Doug Peterson, that tanking Doug Peterson, who, you know, resided over what happened in week 17. Who knows if it was Harry Roseman more or him. But so far, nothing on that front. No rumors, no reports. Douglas Peterson, the relationship there. I think at this point, since we've heard nothing, Peterson is a long shot to become the Jets head coach. Uh, The betting odds on him, as soon as he got fired, went through the roof. He was the favorite uh, to to land the job. Right now, the favorite, Salah, as he should be still. But that's pretty much where we stand. I think Peterson's only an option if things get crazy and things don't go their way and they don't get any of their top two or three options. So Jets fans, and and that's another thing. The overreaction to Peterson as a terrible coach is sort of senseless. Do I think he's Vince Lombardi? No, I don't. But do I think he's Kotite? Again, no. The man won a Super Bowl. The man clearly knows what he's doing. Frank Reich, a lot of people want to give Frank Reich all the success for what happened that year. What I saw with Frank Reich against the Bills this past weekend is the worst in-game management I've ever seen. On top of that, terrible. A terrible tone and a terrible feel for the way the game was going. Reich's offensive line dominated Buffalo all game. Dominated them. The Colts should have scored at least 21 in that first half. And instead, they only scored 10, I think. I think they were down 17-10. A Colt defender jumped off sides. He goes for two when he's down... Uh, what was it? When he was down eight. Instead of just going for one and making a seven-point game. They're down by three at the end of the game. How they didn't get into field goal range, I don't know. But if they did, going for two there would have bit him in the ass. And they would have just tied it up instead of winning the game. But even with Rivers, and they try to be conservative with Rivers, they should have opened it up. Buffalo had to run blitz on every early down in that in that game, especially in the first half. And once they started not to run blitz, once they, once they got the big lead in the second half, the Colts tore them up, marched down the field as easy as I've ever seen in, in my life. So Reich did not capitalize. He played it too closely to the vest. 
even though that Colts offensive line dominated Buffalo and I picked the Colts to win before the, the weekend, I had a rough weekend. I'm not upset with that pick. The Colts should have won. Uh, overall, I think I went two for four. I had the Browns, had the Saints, and those are the only two wins. The other four were losses. Colts, uh, I st- I'm still happy with that pick. They should have won that game. Washington, had no idea Alex Smith wouldn't play. Not too mad with that pick, to be honest. They played well, uh, considering the circumstances in the Bucks. Only beat one playoff team all year. Then they get matched up with 7-9 Washington. How lucky is Tom Brady? He's got an angel on his shoulder that is number one in the world. This angel just looks out for this man, no matter what he does, no matter what happens. Uh, other two games, I'm blanking here. Bills, Colts. Ravens, Titans. I took the Titans. Ravens snuck it out. Lamar Jackson's still not impressive to me. He just, he can't make every throw on the field. Variable does a good job, and he did a good job last year of playing Lamar. Flood the middle, force him to throw 10, 15 yards to the sideline. But that first huge run by Lamar really turned the game, really turned the tide, and uh, lost, uh, lost out on that one. And then the other one, was it a third in the NFC game? Washington, Bucks, Saints, Chicago, oh, Seahawks, Rams. I took Seattle because of Russell Wilson. When it's close, go with the quarterback. But in this case, McVay, one of the best coaches in the league, he does it without a quarterback and just dominates Seattle, which upped Brandon Staley's candidacy big time because that Rams defense, I know it has talent, but, uh, you know, they really shut down Seattle and Schottenheimer, and Schottenheimer is still seeking that Super Bowl. Has Schottenheimer played in a Super Bowl, coached in a Super Bowl? I mean, we know Marty's story. He is one of the all-time great regular season coaches, can never get it done in the playoffs. I don't think his son has. I could be wrong. We'll, we'll look that up later. But in terms of the candidacy, I haven't had strong opinions on who the head coach should be. It's tough to really provide an opinion when you don't get to meet them or talk to them. Or You got to be Joe Douglas or Christopher Johnson. You got to understand their vision to really have a strong opinion, to see if they can handle the, the New York media, uh, to see if he can handle all aspects of what you're looking for him to handle. But at this point, Salah... Has to be top of the list. Campbell was my guy going in. Campbell's obviously returning to Iowa State. Despite Jason Locke and Fora with another erroneous report. Salah. Joe Brady's very risky. But he's on my second tier. Salah's in the mix. Arthur Smith, I'm not comfortable. Salah, Brian Dable. And maybe Eberflus or Staley. The second tier is Brady and Peterson. Peterson, I'm not as down on as everyone else. Again, but I'm not excited for him either. You know, a lot of issues there with him and players towards the end. Let's keep him on the outside tier. Salah, Dable are the two. One of those two. And with Salah, what really has Jets fans excited, I think, is the prospect of Salah coming in, 
being the guy, being the head coach, but having your offensive coordinator be Mike LaFleur, be Matt LaFleur, Green Bay Packers head coach, little brother, LaFleur, and Mike McDaniel, they served as Shan- they've been with Shanahan since Atlanta. So they've been in two Super Bowls already, lost both. No offensive coordinator in San Fran. Shanahan calls the plays. McDaniel and LaFleur were the offense with the passing game and running game coordinators. So the rumor was Salah would bring over one of the two, most likely LaFleur, to be the offensive coordinator. And I think that prospect really excited Jets fans. That that route, that vision really was something that uh, Jets fans could get into. And it makes sense. I mean, part of the Shanahan tree, brother of a already pretty good head coach in the NFL, it's something that uh, fans could rally behind. So, Salah, we'll see what happens today after the Chargers visit. I think I'd still lean towards Salah as the favorite. Uh, consider these interviews first-round interviews, and we'll go from there. Uh, we're t- 11 days in. News is going to break soon, but it's not a regular year. It's different this year. It's slower. It's steadier. It's more patient. The NFL, especially the New York Jets, they take the pandemic seriously. In their business, they have to. It's the smart business move, and they've done a tremendous job with it all year. Why would anyone flip the script now? So keep that in mind as it's curiously flying under the radar. Uh, picks this weekend. Divisional round. Don't listen to me when you're gambling. Please. I went 2-4 and four last, uh, last week. You know, that's all I need to say. 2-4. and four. Don't listen to me. Coming in, had the Chiefs and Saints in the Super Bowl. I still feel good. But interestingly, I think the Browns are going to give him a game this weekend. Their offensive line is tremendous. I think PFF had him ranked as the highest rated offensive line to finish the year. Jedrick Wills went one pick before the Jets. I would have loved to see Douglas pick between Wills and Becton. Which guy would he have taken? I think he would have taken Wills. I can't be sure. But man, Wills... Conklin, the Browns did the exact thing you want to see out of your organization. When you have some talent, but you're off the track a little bit, you go back to basics. Freddie Kitchens, okay, you made a mistake. Bring in Stefanski, guys, a guy who knows how to call an offense, do it both ways, running and passing, and reestablish your offensive line. They traded uh, Zeitler to the Giants. They, they got rid of pieces. Uh, Zeitler in the OBJ trade, if I'm not mistaken. They made two trades that that uh, year, the Giants and the Browns. Vernon and OBJ. I forget which one Zeitler was in. But the idea is they were trading off offensive line pieces, acting as if they were already good. They just needed to fill out the rest of the roster, get the playmakers in there. Nope. OBJ injured, they've never been better. And when I ran ASNY, I had to fight off Giants fans left and right, even my own writers, telling me OBJ was invaluable. You know, he was the second coming of Jerry Rice. He'd be a giant for life. He could do whatever he wants. 
because he is the entire organization. That's not how football works. You can't act that way. You cannot make it about you because the moment you make it about you instead of the entire team is the moment you've lost all credibility. People don't take you seriously. And as soon as you see that routinely over and over again, someone who makes it about him instead of the entire team first, that guy's going to be on several NFL teams by the time it's all over. And Odell Beckham Jr. is that guy. He's run into injuries. That's the biggest issue. Remember, when he first started, he had a hamstring issue. Missed a bunch of games. But anyway, the Browns did the right thing. Brought in offensive line pieces. And look at them now. They spanked the Steelers. Although the Steelers scored points. I think the Browns will play the Chiefs tough. The Chiefs defense isn't great. But Spagnolo is always a better... Spagnolo's units are always better in the playoffs than in the regular season. They just elevate their game. So close game. If I'm betting the line, I'm going with the Browns plus 10. But outright, I'm taking the Chiefs. Close game. Maybe Mayfield makes a mistake late. Rams, Packers. Uh, plus seven for the Rams. I, think the, I don't think the Rams will get knocked completely silly. I think they'll make it interesting, but God got to give me the Packers here at home. They'll win at least one game. And I, I take the Packers even against the seven as well. Ravens, Bills, give me the Ravens. The Bills pissed me off last weekend. They should have lost to the Colts. It's only a two and a half point line here. Uh, home field advantage is usually three points, no fans, whatever. So it's nearly a pick em. I, I don't like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. But if he could just scramble and beat that Bills front seven, which is incredibly inept, that Bills front seven is no good. No good. No good at all. The Ravens have a chance to run all over them. And the Bills, they were in trouble last week against the Colts. They had to run blitz on every down and tried to guess correctly. Frazier and McDermott had to try to guess correctly. And they did at times. But the Colts didn't capitalize. Lamar Jackson, for his deficiencies, could throw into one-on-one coverage. He could throw the deep ball well. He could throw down the middle of the field excellently. So I look for Roman and Harbaugh to really take advantage of running the ball down the Bills' throats and, and giving Jackson just enough shots in a lighter coverage, a one-on-one setting to get it done. I expect the Bills to win by at least a touchdown, maybe even two possessions. The last one, Bucks and Saints, I... Still haven't even decided, to be honest. I need the Saints to win in this uh, fantasy tournament I have. I have Breeze, Emmanuel Sanders, Lutz, Brady. Lost to the Saints twice this year. That angel on his shoulder, man. I don't know. Was it there when he was born? Has it just been with him his entire life? When you look at his life, how could you think otherwise? Maybe he's an alien. Maybe Giselle is an alien. God, I hope, to be honest, to think those two are not among humankind. Saints, only a three-point spread. I'll go with the Saints. Just for my rooting interest, Brady goes home. I think it'll be a close one. But give me the Saints at home with Michael Thomas back, and he looked good. The Saints are... The Saints need Michael Thomas to get to the Super Bowl. And he came back and he played well. 
So give me the Saints outright and with the three points, minus three. Give me the Browns plus 10, but give me the Chiefs in the game. Give me the Ravens plus two and a half and the Ravens outright. And give me the Packers minus seven and the Packers outright. So that's where we stand. Heading into divisional round weekend. It's down eight. Then it'll be down a four. Then two for the Super Bowl. Hopefully next year, the fans will be back. Sports just isn't the same without the fans. Uh, Forget going to the game. Just watching it. It's not the same. The fans are the reason these businesses exist and they know this. So they'll do whatever they can to make it happen. Hopefully we're there by September, by August, I should say, by July, even realistically. Uh, Rangers tonight, opening uh, night of the season, which is tremendous. Nets picked up Harden. It's got to be one of the worst trades in NBA history. What are the Nets doing? They are out of their minds. They cannot play defense. They cannot rebound. And they bring in Harden, who, who's packed them on a little bit. So they have Harden, who's packed it on a little bit. Durant, who's tremendous. And then Kyrie Irving, who's off the grid. Now you don't have a future. How many first-round picks? Four? Four first-round picks? Or three first-round picks and four first-round swaps? It's outrageous. It's an outrageous trade. I don't know what the Nets are thinking. I know Nets fans don't want to hear what I have to think. I'm a, I'm a Knicks fan. Knicks lost to the Nets last night with pretty much nobody. Uh, quickly had a decent game. And quickly, this is the time where quickly has to start to really immerse himself into the game. Really force the issue. You know, he had that good game, 16-point game or 18-point game early. Once he came back from injury, then he started struggling a little bit, lost some confidence. Once he gets that confidence back, he really has to immerse himself. And that's the only thing that'll make this next season competitive. Quickly, really establishing himself. Topping, I don't know what's going on with him. He's going to have to chip in too, but they need Burks back quickly to really establish himself. And it could be a fun season. But Nets, crazy. Yankees, LeMayhew still hasn't signed. Lindor to the Mets, obviously. We'll see on that front. But the Rangers tonight should be awesome. Rangers and Islanders, I think, right? I'm blanking all of a sudden. It's either the Rangers, Islanders, Rangers, Devils. I think it's Rangers, Islanders. But the the schedule all year, the four-division schedule, an all-Canada division, all-East, all-West, and then a Central, that's great. It's like the old school where the playoffs were uh, four from each division in the 80s. You get the Patrick division, uh, you yeah, the Wales Conference, Patrick Division, Norris. I think the Norris. Norris might have been in the West with the Smythe. Adams, Patrick, Norris, and Smythe. And then the top four in each division played their own tournament for the division championship. Then you get down to four teams and go. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. Uh, Jets, keep keep on Twitter. Keep on the latest developments. We'll report it at Jets X Factor as soon as it happens. Uh, press conference to follow, obviously. All those festivities. I'd still say the odds-on favorite should be Salah. But we'll see. Is Douglas comfortable going Salah without meeting Dable in person? I think that's the biggest thing. It's either going to happen very soon, next three to five days, 
or it's not going to happen until the end of the month. I, I think it's January 29th. Sometime at the end of January is when teams could start interviewing coaches in the playoffs. So it'll either happen soon or it'll last a long time. But in any event, look around the league. No head coaching vacancies filled. Save for Urban Meyer and Jacksonville if that works out. It's a different process this year. So take a deep breath. Don't jump out of the window. Save your own life. I, I know what happened two years ago, January 2019. It makes for all this to happen. It ramps up the agita. But take a deep breath and understand this process is different this year. Sable Radio, check us out on iTunes, jetsxfactor.com. Until next time. Thank you.